If you turn your Bibles, please, to the, uh, to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 28. You know, as we look in the world, you know, we see, uh, we see a lot of uh, people of the world who are just living a life of sin, and, uh, you know, we see them run around, and at least for the now, you know, they're, they're happy with their life, and they're, they're enjoying what they're doing, and uh, they're having a good time with it, and they're having great success with it. And uh, then you look around, and you see a lot of people who are, are following the Lord, and you see that they are, are joyful and happy, and uh, they are successful at what they're doing. They're growing uh, with the Lord, and they're getting to see the Lord doing uh, great, great things. But then you kind of have a lot of people that are kind of in the middle. So many of our people in our churches are made of a lot of miserable people, people who know about God, but people who really don't know God, who don't have a personal relationship. Or you have people who are in the church who come to church and um, they want you to think that they are, are Christian. And when they're in those environments, that's how they will act. But, you know, in the, when they're out there in the world that, uh, you know, they're, they're doing the sinful things. And they're, they're miserable people because they lose sight of who they are. They don't know. They're so... Uh, in tune to putting on disguises and making people think that there's something that they're not, that sometimes they forget exactly who, uh, who they are, and maybe they don't even know who they are. And chapter 28 of 1 Samuel tells us a sad, sad story. A sad, sad story about that could easily be related to so many people who are actually within the confines of the church. Someone uh, who claims that they know about God or someone who even claims to have salvation. But as the Lord stirs in their heart, they steadily push Him away and harden their heart. And eventually, life reveals what's truly in their heart. And you see these people just slowly fade away. They start slowly fading away from God. They start slowly fading away from the church to the point where they go back to their old life. And some people may say that they have backslid, and some people may say that they have lost their salvation. But what we really find out this morning is just like we see with Samuel. They didn't lose anything, but rather life finally reveals that they never had it. And so as we read the scripture this morning, let's search our hearts. Let us search our hearts to see if we are moldable, to search our hearts to see if we are responsible, uh, responsive to how God is speaking to us and calling us in our lives about how the things that he wants us to do or ways that he wants us to change or sins that he wants to let go. Let us not harden our hearts. Because we can harden our hearts to a point that God really can't speak to us anymore. So let's read in Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter uh, twenty-eight. Let's uh, begin with verse number twenty-one. It says, "In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war and to fight against Israel." Uh, and Achish said to David, "Understand that you are and you and your men are to go out with me." In the army, David said to Achish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, very well, I will make you a bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died, and all of Israel had mourned for him 
and buried him in, uh, in Roma, his own city. And Saul put the, uh, put the Medians and the, uh, and the nuancers uh, out of the land. And the Philistines assembled and came and came and encamped at, uh, at Shuam. And Saul gathered all of Israel, and they encamped at Gilbal. And Saul saw that the army of the Philistines and was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul uh, inquired of the Lord, and the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by the Uman, uh, or by the prophets, then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. I want us to notice something. I want us to know this final chapter of Saul's really supposed relationship with God. I want us to see how spectacularly, and I want us to see how tragically it crumbles in just almost a very instant. But we all know that it didn't happen in an instant. We all know that Saul never really had a close relationship with God. He never found himself in obedience to him. But now we have Saul really in his final hours, in his final days here upon this earth. And we see how this situation of what happens in 28 reveals exactly what's on Saul's heart. And he slowly and tragically falls away from any relationship at God. But we see how it happened. We see how this type of thing happened. We see how it is that we will fall away from God because the first thing that we will do, we will isolate ourselves or we will separate ourselves from godly people. That's what Saul did. He separated himself from godly people. God, I mean, uh, David was a godly man that Saul put in, David's, in, uh, in Saul's life to help encourage him in his relationship. And David had won many battles from Saul for Saul. And David had d- done many great things for Saul and comforted him when he had the, uh, when he had the uh, troubled spirit. But we also see David in his life and the way that he lived tragic, uh, uh, gradually tried to call Saul back because David refused to take his life but spared it and hoping that he would have the opportunity to come back from God and how David lived a, right, a life of righteousness showing Saul the type of life that he should live and showing what God could do again in his life if he would just turn back to God. But Saul hardened his heart. And when you start hardening your uh, heart towards God, when he is convicting you of your sin, and when he's showing you ways in life that you don't need to be doing, and showing things in your life that you do need to be doing, when you start rejecting those things, the people of God start to annoy you. And you don't want to be around them because they start talking about God. And their life reminds you of what life could be like if you did follow God. It reminded you of your sin. And so instead of turning to God, you push those people away. And that's what Saul did. He pushed the people away who brought him 
close to God. He pushed David away. And it talked about, and that's why he was saying here in these uh, first verses, talking about where David was, he was over in Achish because he had finally said, hey, this is enough that uh, I'm going to go to the land of the Philistines. And he had been over there for uh, a year. And so David had been out of Saul's life for almost a, a year now. And then it mentions Samuel and how Samuel was dead and how Samuel was, uh, was buried. And that was another person that he pushed away from God because Samuel was someone who taught him and the one who anointed him and the one who tried to show him the ways of God. But Saul pushed Samuel away to the point to which God had rejected him. And even as uh, Samuel uh, was dead, Saul never picked up any more godly influences in his life. Remember, he killed the prophet, I mean, he killed the, uh, the priests because he thought that they were after David, and he killed all of them except for one that escaped, and now was David. So he no longer had those influences in his life. He completely isolated himself from any type of godly influence. He pushed them away. You know, God has given us many godly influences in our life. And uh, if you are a part of this church, you have plenty to choose from, people who will teach you uh, the right way. And we all have time in our scripture as we read, read, uh, read those things. And as we read what God wants us to do, and it's clearly evident what God wants us to do, but if we harden our hearts, eventually we'll begin the process of pushing those people away. We don't want to be around God's people. We don't want to be in God's house because it always points in my heart, in my life, of what God wants me to do, and I just don't want to do it. So I don't want to be around it. I was reading about, uh, it made me think about reading this week, uh, week through uh, the book of uh, Chronicles. And uh, you get to a guy uh, named, uh, uh, named Joash. And we now know the story about Joash. Joash was uh, the son uh, of a king uh, that died. And after he, uh, after he died, the... Uh, the uh, the wife of the king, the queen, wanted to be queen, or the wanted to be a uh, queen. So she had all the the royal family killed, except for uh, one that was able to escape. And he was able to escape because he, one of his older sisters was the cousin's brother's son-in-law, uh, mother, uncle of uh, of the priest Jehodadi. And so he was taken to the temple. And he was raised there into the temple until he was six years old. And then he was revealed as king and he sat on the throne. And all the days that he was instructed by Jehodadah, he followed the Lord and did what the Lord wanted to do and did great things for God. But then he died. And then all of a sudden, he had to pick new friends. He had to figure out new influences. And instead of picking the ones who followed God, he picked bad advisors who followed the world and led him away from God. You know, that's what happens to a lot of people. 
It's a lot of times what happens to us when we're young or to young people. You know, we have good influences when we're growing up. We have great godly grandparents or maybe godly parents. You're living in godly churches, you know, going and, and being with, uh, with godly uh, youth groups and things like that. Then all of a sudden you graduate, you get married, you move off or you do whatever, and all of a sudden you're in a new town. And now all of a sudden you get to pick who your influences are. You got to pick some new people who are going to guide you and show you because all those other people are far away. And a lot of times we pick the wrong ones and they lead us away from God. That's what happens to a lot of young people. You know, we raise them up right here in the churches, but then they go off to school, they go off to work. And then they get to pick their influences and they pick the wrong ones. And so we need to be careful who we pick to be our influences, especially in those times and transitions when we move to other places or maybe uh, someone that's close to us who lead us in the Lord pass away. We get to choose in our heart who are going to be our influences. Sometimes we make bad decisions. So he had separated himself from godly influences. But we also see that he had separated himself from God. Because we see that in this time uh, of trouble, he realized that he needed help. He needed God's help. Well, he didn't necessarily want God's help, but he wanted anybody who could help him to help. And so he got in a bind. And when he got into the bind, he said, I'm going to call upon the Lord. And the Lord did not answer him. It did not answer him through a vision or a dream. It did not answer him through the uh, Urman or the Thuman, which are the things that the priests used to help make decisions uh, through, the, through uh, praying and seeking God's guidance, nor did it speak to him through a prophet. And what this silence from God tells us is that it reveals something about Saul in his life. And what it reveals to us is that Saul never really had a relationship with God because he didn't have constant time in prayer. Seeking God's guidance wasn't th- something that he did on a regular basis. When things were going well in his kingdom, he didn't pray to God. But then all of a sudden, he gets himself in a bind, and now he's going to call upon God to be his help now he's going to call upon God because he needs a favor. Now he's going to call upon God because he's in trouble. But God remained silence. God's silence can be very revealing in our hearts and lives, couldn't it? Because when God is silent, when we don't hear that specific words or when we don't feel those feelings of closeness to God, it sometimes reveals what's on our heart and what's on our mind because God will sometimes be silent in us and make us wait sometimes because it has revealed that we don't have a continual everyday prayer with God, that we're not constantly seeking Him. And now we're coming into this time of needing to need God. And God will say, you know what? We're not going to play that. I'm going to wait a little bit to see if your heart really is coming back to me or if you just want me to bail you out of this problem and then go back to the way that you're doing. And then sometimes God will be silent 
just to see what we'll do. To see if we'll stay true to what his word is. To see if we will wait for God to speak to us or if we'll go to seek our own ways. God's silence, God's delays are sometimes revealing in our heart. And what it revealed about Saul is that his heart really wasn't towards God. He really didn't have a personal relationship with God. God's, I mean, uh, Samuel's military successes were on the back of David in his relationship with God. Saul's spiritual successes were on the backs of Samuel in what he had done. He didn't have any type of reputation of his own in his own life about how he was seeking God. And many people will be in the church and they'll ride the spiritual backs of the relationships with God of other people or what the church is doing, but in their heart, they do not know God personally. So he isolated himself from godly people. He isolated himself or separated himself from God himself. And then the trouble comes. Then comes the disaster. And when this disaster came and when there was a delay from God, he no longer godly people around him. He had got, no longer had godly people influence him. He doesn't know what to do. So he goes back to the old ways. He said, well, is there a medium? Is there a medium that I can talk to? And the scripture says that he had, that Saul in, a, in the previous parts of his, uh, his relationship in his kingship, that he had done the right thing, that he had done what the Lord wanted him to do because he had got rid of the medians because they were in hiding. And we see that as he goes later on when he goes to visit this median because she is scared because she's afraid that someone's going to ride her out to Saul and that she's going to be get killed. And so he does the right thing at the beginning. But when things get tough in his life, he goes back to his old ways because his heart never was truly towards God. What does Jesus tell us? If you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, you need to count the cost. He said, what kind of person would go out and start building a building without first calculating to see if that he has enough money to finish it? Because if he does it and starts building the building and he lays the foundation but doesn't have enough money to build, everybody will just drive by that building and say, look at that fool. There's that guy over there. He tried to build that building and he laid that foundation and he didn't have enough to finish it. And then he told us, said, hey, what kind of person, what king goes to war without first calculating, say, hey, I've got 5,000 soldiers. They've got 10,000 soldiers. Do I have enough to win this victory, what Jesus wants to tell us, if that you are going to be my disciple, you have to be able to finish. A lot of people start off doing things, but very, people, very few people carry it through and finish. 
And a lot of times in our life that we'll start out strong for God, and a lot of people start out strong for God, and they'll make decisions, and they'll make commitments, but then life starts dragging on, and eventually they'll go back to their old ways. I can't count how many times in my life where I finally said, you know what, I'm going to start eating right. I'm going to stop eating Cheetos all day long, and I'm going to start eating healthy. And so me and uh, Joey will go up to uh, to Walmart on, on Sunday, and I was like, I'm going to get uh, healthy stuff. And I'll go to the veggie section, and I'll get fruits, and I'll get vegetables, and I'll get healthy things and say, man, we're going to uh, live healthy. And about Monday or Tuesday, I get tired of that. And I was like, I don't want this food anymore. I want to go back to the hamburgers and hot dogs. And so I'm digging. I start digging through the freezer. I'll even, I've even come over here and dig through this freezer. I was like, look, I got to find me something to eat. These vegetables are killing me. And I'm like a drug addict digging from the trash trying to find my crack pipe. And we'll do things in our life. We'll say, you know what, God, I know this is what, uh, isn't what you're going to want me to do. And we will we'll erase numbers. We will cut people out of our lives. We'll tear things up. We will throw things out in the trash. And we'll say, you know what, God, I'm not going back to that. But a few days later, a few weeks later, we start missing it. And we start straying back to it. We start digging around the trash, checking our contacts, see if I can get back in contact with that old sin. That's what Saul did. He made a commitment to God and said, God, I know you don't want these medians in our society. I know your law says that you don't want them. And so he cast them out. But then he turned from God, and God wasn't speaking to him. And so he went, and he dug through the trash. and said, man, where can I find a medium? I need someone to help me out. God's not talking to me. When we come to Christ, we need to realize that it's not about how we start, but it's about how we finish. And we need to make a daily commitment to follow Christ in our everyday life and never turn back. Something interesting here that it says that Saul cast out all the medians. And what we learn from this median that he went to go see is that she was very, very much afraid and was afraid of getting any trouble. When Saul asked for a medium, everybody knew. Everybody knew where to find one. And that just really shows you what the status of their heart was is that there was something that they knew that was detestable to God, but they knew exactly where to find it and where to go. Is it that way in our life? Or are we truly committed to him? So he goes to the Midian to ask her, and of course that she is, she's scared, but uh, he goes into disguise, and uh, she, after asserting her, she says, well, who do you want me to call up? She says, I want you to call up oh, uh, oh Samuel. Because he thought by calling up Samuel, the old voice, the last one that would ever speak to him from God. He didn't have the confidence in his own relationship with God to go before God. He thought that he needed a mediator. He thought that he needed somebody else to speak before him. So many times I'll have people come up to me and we'll be talking about a situation or we'll be talking about a problem. And they'll say, pray for me. 
which that's what we're supposed to do and that's what we should do. But they say it in such a way that they want you to pray for them because they don't feel like in their heart, in their life, that God would listen to them because deep down they don't have anything personal. They don't have any personal communication. They don't have any personal relationship with God. And that's where Saul was in his life. He wanted to call up, he wanted to call up Samuel because he felt or he knew in his heart that he didn't have the capacity, that God wasn't going to talk, for, talk to him. He didn't have that relationship to seek God for himself. So he says, I want you to call up Saul, uh, Samuel for me. And so Samuel comes up, and of course, she's just all shocked and horror. And let's uh, listen. And he says, look, Saul, uh, Samuel, I need you to help me out. I got all these things facing me. I need you to speak to God on my behalf. And listen to what Samuel says to him in verse 16. It says, and Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and has become your enemy? You see, uh, Saul wasn't seeking the Lord. Saul was seeking a second opinion. He knew what the word had said to him. He knew what the word of God was. But he was just hoping that there was some other way. He was hoping that there was some other thing that he could do. And so Saul wasn't just rejecting God. He wasn't just pushing his friends aside but he was rejecting the very word of God was because he knew what the truth was, but he refused to live it as a reality in his life. Isn't that the way that we're so many, uh, so many people are? We know what the word of God says. We'll just refuse to do it. And we will search around for any preacher and teacher that might tell us something different that might give us a little softer answer, something that tells us that I don't have to change my ways, that I can still be a Christian, that I can still be a follower of God and still do the same things that I'm doing, even though the Scripture tells me and even though the conscience through the Holy Spirit tells me and even though my godly friends are telling me that it's wrong, I want somebody, anybody, to tell me it's right. And so many as the Scripture predicted gather around themselves people and preachers with itching ears telling them exactly what they want to hear. He lived in rejection to not only God, but God's Word and God's truth in his life. And so we see that he lived his life at a rejection and how it revealed what was truly on his heart. That Saul had not lost his relationship with God, but really he never really ever had it. And there's so many people in life that claim to know God who are sitting here in this church. But as God speaks to them, they steadily harden their heart. And a lot of people think that they've got plenty of time to get their life straight. A lot of people think that they have plenty of time to make a commitment for God. 
to ask them for the forgiveness of their sins and accept the gift of salvation. And so they'll just hold on to that pew one more Sunday. But they forget some very, very important things. Number one, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what this afternoon's going to bring. And so we only have today, we only have right now to get a relationship with God. And secondly, we don't realize what the impact of hardening our heart does to us. That we could actually live our lives in such a way where we could hear God speaks to us and we reject it and we rebel and we refuse to do it and we can do it again and again and again and again and again to a point that our heart becomes so hard that it becomes just like Saul. The word of God is evident. What he must do is evident. But his heart, his heart is up. His heart is so hard, he just can't do it. If Saul would have confessed his sins and repented, we know that our Lord is faithful and just to forgive. And he will forgive us for our sins and cleanse us of any unrighteousness. We know that the Lord is loving and his steadfast love endures forever. And he longs to forgive each and every one, each and every one of the world. He knew that truth. He knew what God's word was, but he refused to repent. And he refused, and he refused, and he refused, and he refused to the point where his heart was unable to come before God. And let's listen. Let's listen carefully to what the sad consequences of that, when we become that hard. Listen to verse number 20. It says, Then Saul fell at once, full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day or all night. And the, women, and the woman came to Saul, and here she saw that she was terrified, said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, and you may have strength um, when you go on your way. He refused and says, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman urged him with, uh, with him to listen to the, to the words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she quickly, quickly killed it. And she took flour and, and kneaded it. And braided and baked unleavened bread of it, and she put it before Saul and his servants, and they ate, and they rose, and they went away. He hardened his heart so much, he refused to listen to the words of the Lord, and now the words of the Lord no longer bring him joy or peace or satisfaction or salvation. But now he lives a life of sorrow 
of mourning, of hopelessness and lostness. A state probably worse than he ever was in before he knew the Lord in the first place. He started out, but he couldn't finish because he never, ever really gave his heart for God. It's important for us that we remember that it's the Lord who saves us, and it's not by any works that we do, and that if we receive his gift of salvation that we lay in his hand and nothing could ever snatch it out. But it's important for us to remember that there are so many people that say they know God, but never have received Him personally, have never, ever given their hearts over to them. And I pray that God would do for them. And if it's me, I pray that God would do to me that He would make my life so miserable that it would reveal in my heart or your heart that you need to get right with the Lord, that I don't live a life of comfort, of satisfaction, thinking that I have a right relationship with God when really I don't know Him at all. We pray that the Spirit will stir. We pray that the Spirit will stir and draw us closer to Him and guide us through all the things that we face in our life. But we also pray that the Spirit stir and will convict us of our sins and will convict the lost of their lostness. But I pray as the Spirit stirs and the Spirit speaks that we all listen and we don't harden our hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many things that you've blessed us with. Lord, we just thank you for the free gift of salvation. Lord, that comes that when we surrender our life to you, that when we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as that you speak to us this morning. And Lord, whatever it is that you're speaking to us this morning, that we will respond to you and not harden our hearts, that we respond to your word in our life before it's too late. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.